topic for this morning is amazed. Amazed. Um, what amazes you? Just, and, and I mean something positive that amazes you. Not like, oh, my children finally learned how to tidy up. I, I don't mean that kind of rather cynical, sarcastic amazed. I mean, just, you know, something that really just, you see, when you look at it, you think about it, you see it, you think, that is amazing. What are some things that amaze you? Some things that have happened, some things that generally <clears throat> amaze you. What amazes you? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unusual levels of talent. Yeah, Pen. I see crows flying in the wind like they're surfing. Yeah. And, and all the big winds we've had recently, and they just, they work it. Wind surfing birds. It is quite something. Shall? I'm amazed by the human body, the creation of it. That's just astonishing, isn't it? Um, and you're looking at it and you're thinking, that should not be able to happen. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm amazed when you know their prayer and answer. Okay, yeah, answer prayer. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, it is. There are lots of amazing things. Uh, part of the reason why television works. People watch it. It's to look at amazing things. There are amazing things. There are some appalling things, but there are some amazing things that are brought to our television screens from across the world that we otherwise wouldn't see. Uh, amazing uh, sights in nature and, and human endeavour. Um, it's what brings us back to those, to those programmes time and time again. There are loads of things, so many things that are amazing. And I would say that it is the possibility of the amazing that helps us to keep looking forward. Part of not being stuck in the past, or stuck in regret, stuck in fears, stuck in past failures, is the possibility of the amazing. The possibility of the amazing is what keeps us and helps us to be optimistic to look forward. The possibility of the amazing is what helps us to be faithful in our Christian faith. And people who lose the possibility of the amazing, not just the past of something amazing or something out there being amazing, but something that's amazing in us and to us personally, if we lose that, we lose at least part of the life for which we were designed by God. God is amazing. And as Charles said, just our bodies are amazing. And truth be known, Jesus is the most amazing thing that's ever happened. And we have access to him, to his life, to his teaching, and to his spirit. As Romans 8 verse 9 says that we have the spirit of Christ. It's amazing. We're amazing. God's amazing. Our lives are amazing. Or they have the possibility are being amazing if we're in touch with what is truly amazing. We're going to look at a passage today that I hope will help us to investigate what is amazing, some things that are amazing, and might help us to assess if we're lacking the amazing, why that might be, what gets in the way between us and what is amazing. So let's have a look at our passage and read it together. Um, can I borrow 
that one. So we're reading the same. I've got, I thought we'd read the message version of this today for a change. Okay? So it says, previous, this is carrying on from the last passage we looked at a couple of weeks ago at Acts 8 after the, um, the, uh, the Philip going down to Samaria. Um, previous to Philip's arrival, a certain Simon, Simon, oh, Simon, hmm, okay. A certain Simon from Aylesbury uh, had practiced magic in that city, uh, posing as a famous man and dazzling all the Samaritans with his wizardry. He had them all, from little children to old men, eating out of his hand. They all thought he had supernatural powers and called him the Great Wizard. He had been around a long time and everyone was more or less in awe of him. But... When Philip came to town announcing the news of God's kingdom and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, they forgot Simon and were baptized, becoming believers right and left. Even Simon himself believed and was baptized. From that moment, he was like Philip's shadow, so fascinated with all the God signs and miracles that he wouldn't leave Philip's side. When the apostles in Jerusalem received the reports, that Samaria had accepted God's message. They sent Peter and John down to pray for them and receive the Holy Spirit. Up to this point, they had only been baptized in the name of the Master Jesus. The Holy Spirit hadn't yet fallen on them. Then the apostles laid their hands on them and they did receive the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the apostles, by merely laying on hands, conferred the Spirit, he pulled out his money, excited, and said, Sell me your secret. Show me how you did that. How much do you want? Name your price. Peter said, To hell with your money, and you along with it. Why? That's unthinkable. Trying to buy God's gift? You'll never be part of what God is doing by striking bargains and offering bribes. Change your ways, and now ask the master to forgive you for trying to use God to make money. I see this is an old habit with you. You reek with money lust. Oh, said Simon, pray for me. Pray to the master that nothing like that will ever happen to me. And with that, the apostles were on their way, continuing to witness and spread the message of God's salvation preaching in every Samaritan town they passed through on their way to Jerusalem. Quite a few amazing things in this passage, shall we say. So what we're going to do with this passage and for a little bit of time here is discuss what is amazing in this passage. What do you see that is amazing? What's amazing in the passage? What's amazing to the people at the time? So we've got two parts to it that at the time. What might have been amazing then to the people mentioned in the passage, and then what do you think is amazing now when you think about it? Can we do that for a few minutes? We'll discuss it just in the person, two or three people sitting next to you. So let's have a little bit of discussion in small groups, and then we'll come back and talk about what we found. Can we do that? Um, what do you, did you see in this passage that you think is amazing? Uh, Bronwyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very direct. Yeah. 
the confrontational side of it could, is quite amazing, and the boldness of it, perhaps. Peter was known for that. Peter was known for it. Say yeah. Uh huh. Okay. What else? What else is, uh, stands out? We thought that what amazed the people then was the supernatural. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were dazzled by whatever that wizard was doing. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened when they were performing miracles that they just quickly shifted from following the wizard to following um, Philip as well. I For sure. Interesting is that he obviously didn't get it. No. Everybody else did. Because if he'd had it, he wouldn't have said that. Yeah. So it obviously didn't. Didn't twist. Didn't, didn't go in for him. He didn't get the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And he saw everybody else did. He saw, so he saw it as an opportunity for himself. Yes. From a worldly sense of as opposed to a spiritual forgiveness salvation. He must have understood some of it, but something. Didn't yeah, good work, good point. Good, what else is amazing? Uh, Dan? Well, in our group, we said that um, the most amazing thing is that the Samaritans actually took home the God of the Jew. Mm. They were despised by years by the Jews. Mm. And now Jesus, who was a Jew, obviously now offering salvation to the Samaritans. They were like, well, for years you've, years you've despised us, and now you're offering salvation through this Jewish man. Mm. So that, for them to accept that, um, after all that the years of trouble was pretty amazing. Oh. To trust right. in that and to accept it. Jewish Christians and Samaritan Christians coming together in complete harmony and unity is an amazing thing when for centuries they've been at each other's throats. Yeah. Centuries. Centuries. Interesting. And amazing. Good. Anything else? Stands out? Anything else amazing? Kate. Revealed. Yeah. It's seen. It's visible. It's noticeable. It's yeah. revealed. But I mean, imagine that you're you're going to church. Ah, okay. And your heart is completely seen. <laughs> imagine that in. 
Right, in, in a congregation, in front of everybody else, that the, the parts of your heart you'd rather re- keep hidden are suddenly revealed by what you say, what you do, and there's a rebuke. Like that kind of rebuke. That would be quite an amazing event in a church service. Aha, uh-huh. we could rage it. <laughs> if anybody would like to uh, reenact something like that, we could figure that out. Pen, what have you got? I think this chat. I think the sorcerer is a bit of a celebrity. Think about mm-hmm. celebrity mm-hmm. culture now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he obviously had a huge following. He was well known, and he was probably used to commanding a crowd, mm-hmm. interacting with a crowd, and maybe so he he was a performer himself. Mm-hmm. And I, I, maybe that's why uh, Peter is so direct with him because. This is not a quiet chap in a corner who does a little bit of sorcery on the side. He's a big name. Mm. I, try to, I can't imagine who might be equivalent. But somebody that we would all know, who's sort of, I don't know, like a football manager or some kind of celebrity like that. Mm. Mm. I, I think that's what I find a bit amazing. Yeah, yeah I can go along with that. Mm. Anything else or we'll move on? Anything else anybody wants to share? Okay, Um, let me draw our attention to a few things. No, he was waving goodbye to to Dan. Dan Dan had to go and pick up Jude from from rugby, so. Um, I interpreted it as a wave anyway. Am I correct? I was correct, okay. Um, Okay, let me draw our attention to a few things. Uh, First thing that amazes me is the courage of Philip. The courage of Philip to preach, as someone mentioned, to the Samaritans, um, who were the sworn enemies of his people. And he's in the middle. I mean, it's not like he, they've come to see him in his territory. He's in their territory, surrounded by them. I find that tremendous. He's not intimidated by the, by the situation and the culture. And he's not intimidated by the famous person, as you say. So I, I can't imagine someone as famous and powerful as this and me saying, I'll tell you what, I've got something more powerful and more amazing than what you have. Well, he lived in Manchester, as most of you know, for a few years, led the church there. And that was in the days when Manchester United were the kings of everything. And um, occasionally we'd go into the, the Cheshire area where all the famous footballers had their mansions. And uh, Rick Mobbs, one of the members in the Manchester church, his back garden backed onto Peter Schmeichel's house. Uh, so the bottom of his, it was sort of a little um, stream at the bottom of their garden. And then there was Peter Schmeichel's house on the other side. You'd sit in, Pete, in Rick Mobb's garden thinking, Peter Schmeichel might be in over there. Shall I go around and have a look? And, he, and I would think, but what, what do I have that he would need? What could I tell him or say to him that would be amazing to him, considering who he is and what he has? While we lived in Manchester, um, I, uh, I, went, I was in a McDonald's one day. And um, it was a Sunday after church, and I was queued up with the kids. I, must, I don't know if I was with you, Pen, but I was with the kids, and I was buying them a McDonald's lunch or something, and right next to me, there were several queues, right next to me in the queue next to me was Peter Beardsley, who you would know of, Simon, who was a very famous footballer at the time. I think he just retired, and he was standing near, as close to me as Bill is here, right? There's Peter Beardsley, one of my heroes growing up, an England footballer, and I thought, I really should say something. I mean, I'm right next to him. I mean, I pray for things like this. I, um, this is amazing. And, 
uh, what do I say? I've got to say something. I need to talk to him about God, or I don't know what his faith is. I need to share my faith with him. And he ordered his McDonald's meals, and he had his children with him, and he left. And I felt so deflated. And uh, then a little while later, I met Eric Cantona, who was in Manchester, obviously, at the same time. And, uh, and I met him in a music shop. Yeah, he, he plays the trumpet, the bugle. And uh, he was trying out some bugles in his music shop where I was there buying a, a metronome because Lydia was learning piano. So um, we, I was in there with Fred, my son, and, and he was upstairs with a couple of his minders. Um, and I saw Fred and I went out to the shop and waited on the pavement outside for him to come out, and he came out with these big, like, bodyguard people, and I said, excuse me, Mr. Cantona. <laughs> and I was, my heart was going, ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. like, I didn't, didn't have my normal voice, and uh, I gave him a, a, an invitation card to church, and I said, I'd like to invite you to church, and he went, oh, uh, no, <laughs> and walked off. Um, and I felt, I felt this high, and I felt like a, a fool, and I felt tiny, and I felt what do I have? And of course, I know in my head, I know I have what people like Eric Cantona need. Or, or I, I know that what God has is what they need. They seem to have so much, but do they necessarily have what they really need? And, and it's, I, I admire Philip so much that he's completely... Who is Philip? He's just some bloke. But this guy, Simon, he's famous, he's powerful, he's got a following, crowds follow him. He's not in the least intimidated. I find that amazing. I want that kind of courage. I want not to be intimidated by people who appear to have much more than me. And then I'll tell you something else that's not obvious in the text, um, but I'll, I'll give you this, as a, and this is not my insight. I read this somewhere. Something else that amazes me is the change in John. You see in this passage that Peter and John go to Samaria, and... They, they lay their hands on the people to receive the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but bear in mind, John was not always very favorably inclined towards Samaritans. Do you remember the passage? It's in, I'll read it for you, in Luke 9. As the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. As he sent messengers on ahead, uh, he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, this John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. See the change in John? Someone who wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans. And now he's there laying his hands physically on these Samaritans. And John was ultimately later known as the apostle of love. He was the apostle of fire and retribution when he was younger. But he became the apostle of love. When you read John's gospel, when you read the letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, they're full of that love. I think the change that Jesus brings about in people deeply in our character, in our approach to people, changes, as you say, Barry, you know, when we first become a Christian, so much of our thinking is still in the habits and the ruts that it used to be. But over time, the presence of Jesus in our lives changes us in an amazing way. People who are resentful and bitter become kind and forgiving and, and at peace. People who are uh, moany and negative become filled with joy. Uh, it, this is the power. 
that Jesus has in us to change us. I think that change is amazing. I think Stephen's changes are amazing. I mean, I think he becomes a true Christian because Philip, I think, knows what he's doing. I, I I don't think... Philip would be fooled. I, I, I think he becomes a, a true Christian. Philip baptizes him. Philip knows what he's doing. But as Barry said, there's some of his old thinking there. He does change. Um, and the, the thing I love about that is he had been stuck in his way of thinking for a long time. He'd been famous and, uh, and he had a lot to lose. And yet he becomes a Christian. And that gives me faith for people I think I could see him or her becoming a Christian, but that person, I, don't, I just can't see it. I mean, I, I just really struggle, whether it's members of my family who I've known for so long, or friends, or people I bump into. or I, we, we must never lose that anticipation that God can do the amazing and change someone that we think we can't imagine changing. So I think that's quite amazing. Um, and there's a few other things we could talk about, but those are, those are the main things that these stood out to me. So let's talk about a couple of applications, and then we'll wrap up. Um, in the end of things, I mean, I really appreciate, by the way, what you shared in your communion, Leon, about the amazing nature of the universe, which tells us about the amazing power of God. It's nice how that tied, tied together, actually. The, that's nice. But uh, when all is said and done, it's not a what that is amazing, it's a who is amazing. Because we follow a who, not a what. We don't follow a set of beliefs or doctrines. We follow Jesus. That's what is amazing. And he inspires us to believe in the amazing. A quick survey of um, passages about Jesus in the Gospels show the word amazed or astonished being used over and over again. To give you a few, just from the Gospel of Mark, the people were amazed at his teaching. Many who heard him were amazed Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? People were overwhelmed with amazement. I mean, they weren't just amazed. They were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well. They said he even makes the deaf hear, the mute speak. The disciples were even more amazed. So they had levels of amazement. They were amazed, and then they were even more amazed. Uh, when they said to each other, who then can be saved? And the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this, began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd were amazed at his teaching. Part of the nature of Jesus, of his identity, was that he was amazing. When I look at the early church, and I look at these people we're talking about here, like Philip and Peter and John, how come they're, they're so amazing? It's because they were with someone amazing. It's because they absorbed that amazing power of Jesus and he gave them his power as he gave them his spirit. It's it's the Jesus that's amazing more than Philip, than Peter, than John. It's the Jesus in them. It's the imitation of his heart and his nature, which gives us the courage we need. So I want to be less intimidated by the Peter Beardsleys or the Eric Cantonars or whatever. How am I going to get that? It's not by just sort of, all right, I must grip my teeth and be not so afraid. That's... It's not going to work. It's, it's, it's knowing that Jesus is with me, that he is amazing and he is with me. That's what's going to make all the difference. I am with you, he said in Matthew 28, verse 20. I am with you. I'm with you when you're talking to that intimidating person at work or uh, wherever you might be. So we get the courage and then we also get the opportunity. We also get the strength 
to surrender in an amazing way. So going back to Simon just for a minute, his, part of his struggle was he wanted to control. He wanted to control the spirit. He wanted the apostles to give him the ability to not just do miracles, but to be able to pass on the ability to do miracles. Because that's what he sees in Peter and John. He sees not just the miracles happening, because he saw that in Philip. He didn't ask Philip. He asked Peter and John. He asked Peter and John because they are able to then give the ability to, to, to do miracles to other people. And he, they have this ability to do that. He wants that ability. And, and I think one of the reasons why he is so roundly rebuked is because he wants to have control. The spirit won't be controlled. And... Simon struggled with surrender, with letting the Spirit be used by God as God wanted the Spirit to be used and distributed as God wanted it to be. And we have a struggle, I have a struggle, I think we generally have a struggle in um, not being in control and being surrendered. And we don't have all the answers. We have some because God has given us some, but we don't have all the answers. We don't know exactly how life is going to turn out. I want my health to be perfect. I want all my prayers to be answered now. I want God to do what I would like him to do. That's what at least happens in my heart so much of the time. But God's spirit isn't like that. And the strength to be people of courage and the strength to be surrendered, which is another aspect of courage, is only, there, only ours because of what Jesus is like. He's able to give us the strength to surrender. He's able to give us the strength to be courageous and not be intimidated by, uh, by other people. So those are a couple of the amazing things I see in this passage. I would say that living with Jesus is the most amazing way to live. We see more amazing things by living with Jesus and in his power than anybody will ever see on television, on YouTube, or wherever. There's nothing more amazing than living with Jesus and his power in our lives. And as we live with that amazing Jesus, then surely other people will know, notice something amazing. And we can tell them, we can attribute it to Jesus and tell them about him. I'm going to finish with a, um, a chapter from this book. Uh, this is a book called God Came Near by Max Licardo. I've been reading uh, recently, really like it. And I want to read you this short chapter called Just a Moment. And we'll finish. Just a moment. It all happened in a moment, a most remarkable moment. As moments go, that one appeared no different than any other. If you could somehow pick it up off the timeline and examine it, it would look exactly like the ones that have passed while you have read these words. It came and it went. It was preceded and succeeded by others just like it. It was one of the countless moments that have marked time since eternity became measurable. But in reality, that particular moment was like none other. For through that segment of time, a spectacular thing occurred. God became man. While the creatures of earth walked unaware, divinity arrived. Heaven opened herself and placed her most precious one in a human womb. The omnipotent in one instant made himself breakable. He who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. 
and he who sustains the word with a world with the world with a word chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl god as a fetus holiness sleeping in a womb the creator of life being created god was given eyebrows elbows two kidneys and a spleen he stretched against the walls and floated in the amniotic fluids of his mother god had come near he came not as a flash of light or as an unapproachable conqueror but as one whose first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter the hands that first held him were unmanicured calloused and dirty no silk no ivory no hype no party no hoopla were it not for the shepherds there would have been no reception and were it not for a group of stargazers there would have been no gifts angels watched as mary changed god's nappy the universe watched with wonder as the almighty learned to walk children played in the street with him and had the synagogue leader in nazareth known who was listening to his sermons jesus may have had pimples he may have been tone deaf perhaps a girl down the street had a crush on him or vice versa it could have been that his knees were bony one thing's for sure he was while completely divine completely human for 33 years for 33 years he would feel everything you and i have ever felt he felt weak he grew weary he was afraid of failure he was susceptible to wooing women he got colds burped and had body odor his feelings got hurt his feet got tired and his head ached to think of jesus in such a light is well it almost seems irreverent doesn't it it's not something we like to do it's uncomfortable it is much easier to keep the humanity out of the incarnation clean the manure from around the manger wipe the sweat out of his eyes pretend he never snored or blew his nose or hit his thumb with a hammer it's easier to stomach that way there is something about keeping him divine that keeps him distant packaged predictable but don't do it for heaven's sake don't let him be as human as he intended to be let him into the mire and muck of our world for only if we let him in can he pull us out listen to him love your neighbor was spoken by a man whose neighbors tried to kill him the challenge to leave the family for the gospel was issued by one who kissed his mother goodbye in the doorway pray for those who persecute you came from the lips that would soon be begging god to forgive his murderers i am with you always are the words of a god who in one instant did the impossible to make it all possible for you and me it all happened in a moment in a moment a most remarkable moment the word became flesh there will be another the world will see another instantaneous transformation you see in becoming man god made it possible for man to see god when jesus went home he left the back door open as a result we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye the first moment of transformation went unnoticed by the world but you can bet 
your sweet September, that the second one won't. The next time you use the phrase, just a moment, remember, that's all the time it will take to change the world. We have an amazing Jesus. We are called and can live amazing lives. If we stay close to him, we'll see him do amazing things. Amen.